towards us. Um, Mark chapter 9 is our scripture reading today, the Gospel of Mark chapter 9. And we're going to read from verse 20 of the chapter, Mark's Gospel, chapter 9, and reading from verse 20. And they brought him unto him. Um, now, this is speaking about um, the boy. If you look in verse 18, it says, um, verse 17, And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away, and I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answereth him and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him straightway, the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground, and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, How long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, Of a child. And oft times it hath cast him into the fire, and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us, and help us. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him, and he was as one dead insomuch that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he was come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could not we cast him out? And he said unto them, This kind come, can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Amen. And we know that the Lord will again add his blessing to the reading of his precious word to our hearts for his name's sake. Let's just unite in a word of prayer. Our loving God and our gracious Father, we do thank thee for thy precious word to our hearts today. And we'd ask that thou wast even shut us in with thee now and teach us from thy word. Give us that understanding from on high and send the Holy Spirit to lead us into that truth. For it's in Jesus' precious name now we'd ask these things. Amen. Now we've been looking at some of the things that Christians, God's people, struggle with along the pathway of life. And today we want to look at the problem of trust or the problem of unbelief. A few weeks ago in the gospel meeting, we spoke about unbelief in Hebrews 3, how that the children of Israel, when they were on the brink of entering into the promised land, sent in the spies and believed the wrong report that many of the spies made that it was impossible for them to enter in because of the giants and because of the uh, 
fortified cities in the land that they couldn't enter in. And we read in Hebrews 3 and 19, so we see that they could not enter in because of their unbelief. They were not able to enter into the blessing that God had for them because of their unbelief. And in this passage here in Mark chapter 9, we find another demonstration of the problem of unbelief. Here the Lord had just taken Peter and John and James up onto a high mountain where he had been transfigured before them, and they had seen something of the real glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. But when the high had taken place on the mountain, it was not long before there was a low when they came down into the valley. And they were met there by a man who had a child who had a dumb spirit. And he had brought the uh, child to the Lord. They, he wanted to bring the child to the Lord. But having come and found that the Lord was not there, he said to the disciples, could they cast out the dumb spirit? And the disciples who had already been involved in casting out spirits, each one I think probably in their turn, tried to cast out the dumb spirit out of this child and had not been able. And we read that he came and he spoke to the Lord Jesus. Uh, he said to the Lord, I speak to thy disciples that they should cast him out and they could not. And I want you to see that the Lord is quite scathing about their failure. The Lord didn't take their failure lightly. He said, here in verse 19, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And you see, this was the rebuke of the Lord. And then he says to the man, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And then it says, And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. He had belief, but he had unbelief. And he wanted the Lord to help him. And I think that we can identify with the problem. Many of God's people, all of God's people, we have faith. We believe in God. We trust God. Our trust in God is strong. But there are many times, too, when we are filled with unbelief. In the parallel account of this incident that we have in Matthew chapter 17, um, the uh, Lord and the disciples were together after this incident, and the disciples were asking the Lord, why could we not cast them out? And the Lord says, because of your unbelief. For I verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. I think of the story of the woman who lived at the foot of a tall mountain, and the tall mountain obscured the view and obscured much of the sunlight that came in, and she read the verse that if she had faith, she could remove the mountain, and so she prayed that God would remove the mountain. And she opened the window the next day and looked out. And the mountain was still there. And she said, just as I expected. We, and uh, she prayed. And she had enough faith to pray. 
But she didn't really believe. She didn't really believe. And I want us just to consider this problem that we have, this thing that we struggle with, our trust in God, our belief in God, our unbelief that infects us day by day. And I want you to see, first of all, the dilemma of unbelief. You'll notice the words of the man again, I believe, help thou my unbelief. And I want you to see that the belief that the man had was real. The belief that the disciples had was real. He said with tears in his eyes here, Lord, I believe. And his belief was in the right person. He had a belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. And somewhere along the line, he had heard uh, something about the Lord Jesus Christ. He had heard something about the power of the Lord to heal and to deliver people from uh, spirits and demons. and uh, So he had, uh, with his belief, made his way to where the Lord Jesus was. He had enough belief to say, well, I, I'm going to go to this person. I'm going to go to the Lord. I, I, I believe that there's something there, that he has power to do this. And it's the same with the disciples. When they tried to deliver the young fella out of the dumb spirit, they had enough belief to pray. They had enough belief to know that they had done this before and that they had been able to deliver people from demons and from spirits and so on. And they had uh, the faith to pray and to attempt to do this and to give the healing. So there was be belief there. They had faith. Indeed, here they were. And they were able to say that, uh, he was able to say this man, I believe. And it's not as if he was, they had not faith in any degree and measure whatsoever. And when I say, but on the other hand, they had unbelief. But when I say they have unbelief, I'm not saying that they weren't saved. The disciples here were the Lord's people. The Lord says to them, oh, faithless generation. But he's not talking about saving faith when he says that. These men had demonstrated their faith in the Lord. They had left all and they had followed him and they had followed Christ. Before this, the Lord had sent them out. And they had gone out and they had preached the word and they'd seen souls saved and they'd seen people delivered and they'd seen healing and they'd been able to cast out demons in the past. It was not as if they were not those that believed savingly in the Lord Jesus Christ. But somehow their belief was also mixed with a large degree of unbelief. You'll see how much unbelief they had because you think of that verse in Matthew 17. Verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. And the implication is the Lord was saying to these, You haven't the faith the size of a grain of mustard seed. Your faith is so small that it is the size or less than the size of a grain of mustard seed. Now these men had prayed in Jesus' name. The, the, young, the, the father had brought his child to the Lord Jesus. 
And yet the Lord is really saying to them, your faith is no bigger than the size of a grain of mustard seed. And I want you to see that there are two great groups here. If we put the father and the boy in one group, we see that they had faith to come. They had faith to make an effort to get to Christ. And then we have the disciples, and they have faith to try and cast out demons. But they're, they, they, they seem to believe, seem to think that God is not able. Or at least, here they are, and they have faith, but it's so little, it's shallow, it's weak, it's immature. And that's how many of us feel about ourselves. We know that we have faith, we have believed in God. And yet, there is this unbelief. We believe in prayer. We believe in the power of God. We believe that we should bring our needs to the throne of grace in prayer. Yes, we believe that God can change things. And yet perhaps immediately we have prayed and maybe the prayer answer has been delayed and we think to ourselves, well, I was stupid to think about that in the first place. Or we try everything else before we think of bringing it to the Lord in prayer. We believe, but there's unbelief. We believe in the glory of God. We believe that God should be worshipped. We believe that God is real. We certainly do. Dare anyone suggest to us that God is not real, that we have been washed in the precious blood of the Lamb, that our sins are forgiven, and oh, what joy flooded our souls when we at first came and trusted in the Lord. We believe in heaven. We believe that God is the God of eternity, and God is the mighty God that needs to be worshipped. We know that life's only a passing fears, and what eternal, what's eternal is what is real. And yet at the same time, we live in the material. We live as if the material was all that there was and all that we need. And we uh, fill our lives with the material things. And we, we don't give time to worship God. And we, we don't give time when the place of worship is opened. And we believe, but there's unbelief. We believe that God is omnipresent. We know that God is all around us. We are like Hagar and we say, Thou God seest me. And yet we can sin against God in the most explicit ways. And we believe, behave as if God did not see us. The psalmist said, If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. And why is it when we know that God is looking at us, when we know that God sees us and knows our thoughts, can we still indulge in the things that we know that we shouldn't because of unbelief? We believe the Bible. We believe that the Bible is the inspired Inerrant word of God. Dare anybody question the authority of the Bible? It's our rule of faith and practice. And yet at times we can convince ourselves if it doesn't fit in 
that this part of the word or this command in the word doesn't really apply for us. We believe, but we're filled with unbelief. My, we need to admit it. It's hard to admit. That's the first thing we need to do. We need to admit our unbelief. It's hard if you're a minister, a Sunday school teacher, or a youth leader, or a children's team uh, worker, or a part of the office bearers of the church, to admit that there is unbelief. But my, how we need to face the fact we believe, but there's unbelief. But not only do I want you to see the dilemma of unbelief, but I want you to see the diagnosis of unbelief. Why is it? Why is it that we do not believe at times? Well, first of all, you'll see that unbelief enters because of difficulties. This man here uh, was in difficulty, and the disciples got into difficulty after they failed at uh, first. Here's this man, and his son is wallowing in the dust. This son is tearing himself apart. It says that the spirit taketh him and teareth him, and he foameth, and he gnashes with his teeth, and he pineth away. Here's a young fellow, and he's pining away. He's dying in front of his father. And this father had tried many things. You can well imagine that before he brought this young fellow to the disciples, he had brought him to other rabbis and brought him to other healers and tried in every way that he could to make sure that this young fellow was going to be taken care of. And he's in a stressful situation. The cares of all of this is upon him and weighing upon him. And they're in his mind. And you know, when difficulty enters in, when there are trials in our lives, when all is not going the way that it should or we think it should, when we're hemmed in, maybe we've come to a place, a mountain that is uncrossable, or maybe we think that the way ahead is impossible, or we don't know how to get through. That's when the devil sends the fiery darts of unbelief. Oh, God doesn't care. God's not there. God's not there to help me. God's not there to look after me. And you know, when we are in difficulty and when we're in trials, that's when unbelief will grow. Something else that will bring unbelief, discouragements. This man, as we say, had sought many times for healing, but it had never worked. Here is his priceless son. And he'd brought him probably to the other spiritual leaders and exorcists and tried to drive the devil, the spirit out, but they couldn't do it. And now he's heard the stories about the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's brought the young fellow to Christ. And the Lord's not there. He's up on the mountain. And so he says to the disciples of the Lord, maybe he'd heard, uh, probably he'd heard that they had delivered others from demons in the past when the Lord had sent them out. And he says to them, here's my boy. Can you do anything for him? And they couldn't. They hadn't been able. And you can imagine how he felt. Here he is, and almost he's on his last legs. Here he is, and this seems to be his final hope, maybe. 
and he brings them to the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says, he said to the Lord in Mark 9 and 18, I speak to thy disciples that they should cast them out, and they could not. They had acted in, in something of faith, but they were getting nowhere. So there's a disappointment. There's a discouragement. He thought that this was what was going to, he was going to have a, a deliverance. But no, it doesn't happen. And you know, as we go along the way in the Christian pathway, there are many discouragements. There are many times when perhaps we think that something should happen and it doesn't happen. Maybe along the pathway of life, we've prayed for our loved ones and still they're not sealed. We have prayed for a healing. The healing hasn't come. We have prayed for different things in our lives. And at times we've been disappointed and discouraged. This father is much like us. The, the father of the boy said, Lord, if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And that's a faith request. In faith he sought the Lord Jesus in the first place. And you know, unbelief has its roots in our experience at times. Different, we have different personalities and different experiences, different things that we have gone through. But I want you to see what the Lord said to the man. He said, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. I don't want you to pass over that. I, don't want, I want you to get hold of that today. All things are possible to him that believeth. Don't just acknowledge that with your head. Let, us, let it reach the heart. Pray for grace that it may reach your heart. All things are possible to him that believeth. We're familiar with the verse. Perhaps our familiarity might make us not think about it. But he's saying there is power in faith. There is power in belief. The problem is that when we come, when we have come, we don't really believe. And there is the problem because of our unbelief. There's been discouragements along the way. And then those discouragements just feed the unbelief. There's a third reason why unbelief may come through, and that is our dullness or immature faith. Because as we go on, perhaps this man had never met the Lord Jesus before. The disciples ought to have known better. They had had experience of what God could do. And yet, at the same time, it was maybe a limited experience. But as we go on in our faith, we begin to see what God can do. We, we know that there are times when God says no to us. We know that sometimes God delays the answer to our prayers or that he doesn't demonstrate his power just maybe at the time that we think that he should do it. God is sovereign in these things and timing as well as everything else. But you know, as we go along the Christian walk and as we mature, we begin to see something of the way that God works. And we begin to see that God does use trials and uses delays in order to teach us lessons. And so we can see 
these things. And we also begin to recognize and see the times when God does break through. We begin to see the times when God dramatically answers prayer, when God dramatically does break in, when God begins to move. And when we see these things, our faith is strengthened. But if our faith is weak, if our faith is immature, then that's when unbelief can enter in. But there's something else I want you to see, and that's the danger of unbelief. You'll notice again that the Lord Jesus has used strong language about the unbelief of these people, uh, the unbelief of his disciples and the man and all the rest. He says, Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And that's the first great danger of unbelief. It brings the anger of God. It brings God's anger. You know, when we read about unbelief in the Bible, you think of how it is set in terms of God's anger, of God's wrath, of God's abhorrence. It speaks of the unbelief as uh, that that tempts God. For example, in Deuteronomy verse chapter 1, verse 31, and verses 34 to 35, uh, the Lord said, Thou hast seen, or Moses said, Thou hast seen how the Lord thy God bare thee, as a man doth bear his son in all the way that ye went. And the Lord heard the voice of your words. They were words of unbelief. And was wroth, and swear, saying, Surely there shall not one of these men of this evil generation see that good land which I swear to give unto your fathers. So it brings wrath. It brings, God says, this is evil. In Hebrews 3 and 12, it says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. So this is dangerous because it brings forth the anger of God. Many pious, self-righteous Christians, well, we would look at the crimes of uh, visible sins, adultery, um, murder, uh, rape, or any of the vile crimes that you could think of. And my, we look down upon them, but here's a crime that we can all be guilty of. Unbelief. The Bible says without faith it is impossible to please him. We bring forth the anger of God. Something else that is a danger from unbelief. It brings needless anxiety. It brings worry. It brings fear. You can see this man, he's in a state here. He's in tears as he comes to the Lord Jesus Christ. If his belief had been strong, he wouldn't have been in tears, he wouldn't have been anxious, because he would have known that the Lord Jesus could deliver his son straight away. And yet how much anxiety and worry we go through, how many sleepless nights we spend because we don't believe God. And you'll see the change that took place as soon as the Lord Jesus came upon the scene here. The Lord said to the man, bring him unto me, bring the boy to me. 
And when the boy was brought to the Lord Jesus, hope filled his heart. Hope filled his uh, thoughts here. You see, the Lord Jesus, when the Lord is on the scene, what a difference it makes. But my, what anxiety, what worry, what fears, tears in the heart of this man because he didn't believe God. We think of how God clothes the, clothes the grass of the field and provides for the birds that are in the air. And yet how much time worry we spend thinking about tomorrow and where we're going to provide for ourselves. And we're filled with unbelief. Brings worry. It brings God's anger. But not only is there God's anger and needless anxiety, but it brings complete arrest to the work of God. It hinders unbelief, hinders the work of God. That's the reason why the disciples couldn't cast out the dumb spirit, unbelief. And the Lord made it perfectly clear that the reason why the young man was still in distress was because of their unbelief. And men, women, we can only imagine the many things that could have been done if it was not for our unbelief. How far the work of God could have gone if it was not for our unbelief. In Mark 13, we read how the Lord Jesus visited his own country around uh, Nazareth. And it said, they said, is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And we read that the Lord was offended because of their comments. They were saying, well, this couldn't be anybody great. He's just one of us. But then it says this, and he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. And you know, notice that nothing was done in that region. Nothing was done in that area. And the reason was unbelief. And you know, dear friend, when we think about the work of God today, when we think of this area and how we need a mighty breath of the Spirit of God, and yet it doesn't happen. Why? Because we don't believe. We don't believe God. We don't believe that these things can take place. We don't believe that the work of God can go forward. We don't believe that souls can be saved. We don't believe that God can break in. And we see that the work of God is stopped and hindered because of unbelief. There's another reason why unbelief is so dangerous. And that is that unbelief quickly augments itself. Because it is something that brings forth other sins, the gateway to other sins. You remember how in the Garden of Eden, the old devil came in and the um, real sin, the, the foundation sin, the, the thing from which all other sins grew was unbelief. The devil came and tempted Eve in the Garden. And the first thing, yes, she... Uh, did what God had told her not to do. Why? Because she believed the devil. She was not believing God. And out of that sprung all of the other sins. And you know, when we, um, we, we think of how sin grew and spread rapidly, 
And we think of how sin will break down relationship with God. If, if, If we don't trust one another in our relationships, in our marriage relationships, in our business relationships, there is a breakdown of the whole um, of our fellowship one with the other, with our relationships one with the other. And it's the same with God. If we don't believe in God, then it's not a bit surprising that God's not speaking to us. If we're uh, not believing in God and trusting in God, then it's not a bit wonder that all of the relationship breaks down. But dear friend, I want you to see the danger of unbelief. So dangerous in the work of God. So dangerous in our lives. But one more thing, and I want to take the time. I know my time's gone here, but I want you to think about the deliverance from unbelief. How did this unbelief get sorted out? Well, I want you to see the fundamental thing was the presence of Christ. That's the key to the remedy. When the Lord Jesus came into the situation, when the Lord Jesus got involved, that's when the unbelief was dealt with. And I want you to see how, first of all, the Lord faced these men with their unbelief and faced the Father and the disciples with their unbelief. In Matthew 17, verse 19, it says how the disciples came to the Lord Jesus And it says, then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, why could not we cast them out? And the plain answer is given in verse 20. And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if ye faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove and nothing shall be impossible unto you. And the Lord makes it plain because of your unbelief. And we're made conscious of our unbelief. The, the boy's father was made conscious of his unbelief. So much so that he confesses it. Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. He knows. And he confesses. Not only does the presence of the Lord in our lives. And we need his presence. We need to draw near into his presence. Not only... Is it the presence of the Lord, but it's the precepts of the Lord. It's his commands. We need to be obedient. Look at, if you look at Matthew 17, verse 17, we have the words of Christ. He says, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And when they obeyed the word of God, then their unbelief was dealt with. Matthew 17 and 18 says, And Jesus rebuked the devil and departed out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. So when they obeyed, when they brought the child to Christ, when when the Lord said, bring him to me, and when they did what he said that they were to do, that's when their unbelief was dealt with. And how we need to obey the precepts of Christ and accept the promises of Christ, and we need to obey the, the demands that Christ puts upon us And when we do that, we are able to deal with our unbelief. Ignorance 
is one of the things, ignorance of God's word is one of the things that the devil will take and use in order to foster unbelief in us. He will spread lies about God. He will spread lies in our hearts about who God is and what he does. And he'll tell us that God's not able. He'll tell us that God has failed. He will tell us that God is not sovereign in all of these things. And he will tell us all of these lies. And if we have not immersed ourselves in the word of God, we will believe the lies. Faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. So we need Christ's presence. And we need Christ's precepts. And then we need Christ's provision. What did the man do? He said to the Lord, Help thou mine unbelief. He brought the problem to the Lord. He prayed, in other words. And you'll notice the way at the start of the story, if you look in verse 17, he addresses the um, Lord Jesus as master. But when it comes to um, the, uh, the prayer there, he, he says, uh, help, um, um, Lord, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. He has come from calling him master to calling him Lord. And you can see the way that his faith is developing here in the portion of Scripture. But what does he do? He brings his unbelief to God. He brings his need to the Lord. Isn't that what we need to do today? We need to pray for grace. We need to pray for God's help. And then we will need Christ's power to sustain our faith. These disciples just a few chapters back had gone out with authority, in Matthew anyway, they'd gone out with authority to uh, deliver uh, men from demons and to uh, heal sick people and so on. They had experienced firsthand how God had used them and God had blessed them. And they had seen lives transformed. But somehow, as time had gone on, something of that faith had dissipated. We need God's power to sustain our faith. We think of what the Lord said in John 15, Apart from me, without me, he said, Without me, ye can do nothing. And listen, this is one of the greatest things we struggle with. How many things are hindered? How much of God's work is hindered because of our unbelief? Surely we need to come to God with all our hearts and say, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. May God help us to do that for his name's sake in these days. We'll just bow and close the meeting. The word of prayer time has gone. But may we pray that God may help our unbelief. Our loving God and our gracious Father, we do thank thee for thy precious word today. And has come, Lord, as a rebuke to us, has come with a challenge to our hearts, and we recognize our unbelief. And we say, like this man, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. And, o God, we pray that thou wouldst enable us to have faith in God in these incoming days. 
that God can do mighty things. God can bring people in. God can bring people into our meetings. That God can bring people into our Sunday school. That God can bring people into our children's meeting, into our junior youth, into our youth fellowship. That God can do mighty things. Help us to believe in the might and power of God. Help thou our unbelief. Bless us now, and O God, part us in thy fear and with thy blessing. For it's in Jesus' precious name that we'd ask these things. Amen.